Welcome to the Kick Pod, your weekly DM on the stuff that matters. Hello, Lawsy. Hello. How are you today? I'm pretty, pretty good. Um, I would like to start off this podcast with oh, a no. formal apology oh, um, no. to you. Let me guess, it's about <laughs> Emily in Paris because I think Steph is actually a official Emily in Paris critic. You're, oh my you're gosh, applying no. for a job as a TV series critic, aren't you? My apology <laughs> is for the way I responded to your special share, I think, um, that it was just not necessary. <laughs> I don't know why I felt like I could dive into it. And for, for those listening who have no idea what I'm talking about, last week, Laura's special share on our kick pod was Emily in Paris. And for some reason, I felt the need to talk about why I didn't like the first episode and why I didn't think I was going to like the show rather than just letting her have her moment with her special share. So I would like to start off by saying this week I have completed Emily in Paris. <laughs> Um, not a 10 out of 10, but I'm not going to go there. I'm going to keep it positive. <laughs> and I'm going to say, go there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to go there. I am actually still keen to see season two. So it definitely was not as bad as I thought it was going to be. Um, but I would just like to say my, um, my apologies, Laura, for <laughs> reacting the way I did to your special share because we're allowed to have different tastes and things. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't sleep. Message. I didn't sleep the whole of last week. I've been very sad. No, I didn't even notice. And then when um, we were, so Steph was doing the edits for this podcast and she sent me this message, I'm so sorry about, you know, and I was like, I literally didn't even notice. And then I think because maybe you felt bad, you then compensated by talking to your stories for about 25 <laughs> taps about... Emily in Paris, but I love that you took my um, special share on board and you watched it, and I'm glad that you would watch it again, but you rated it a 6.5, and as to quote Steph's new new measurement of shows, anything over a five is worth watching <laughs> a- again, the next thing, or worth watching. So I'm, I'm glad that it was worth watching. Anyway, moving on from this, what is oh your God. special share of this week? Okay, okay, okay. So my special share is actually something that um, Josh and I often do. And the other day when I was in a bit of a funk, you told me to do it. And I was just like, hang on a minute. Why have I never done this on a weekday? So every weekend we kind of have a bit of a slow morning in bed and just, you know, sometimes we have coffee in bed or we just kind of take our time getting out of bed. There's no rush, no morning meetings. Um, So we really just enjoy our Saturday and Sunday mornings. But a lot of the time we put the blinds up and we put music on on the speaker next to our bed and we put like really pump up, you know, positive tunes on it. It just makes us feel so good in the morning. And the other day I was feeling not just like unmotivated, but like a whole nother level of unmotivated. Like I literally did not want to get out of bed. I just kind of was like, obviously I had a lot on that day, but I was still like, I really don't know. I don't know if I want to do that. Or like, maybe I'll just do it from bed because I can't be bothered getting out of bed today. And you told me, Laws, when I messaged you and asked for some motivation to, that you were feeling similar and just pop on some music. And I was like, oh my God, duh, put music on. And I literally just put up the blinds, played some music. I still stayed in bed for another half an hour, but my mood lifted so much and it made me feel so good so I know it's probably something that people are like oh my god I do that all the time what's wrong with you like that's so normal how is this new in your life but it's something that I'm going to do more often um, particularly on the weekdays where I feel like 
I might have pressed snooze a few times and I'm ignoring my alarm. You know, next time the alarm goes off, pot, poop, like, poop. What's that? <laughs> poop. Put music on and play it through the speaker and it really lifts your energy up and gets you out of bed. I love that. And I feel mm. like, again, you're feeling really bad for last week, so you're taking a special... You're, you're making me feel no. good about something nice I said to you. <laughs> My goodness, no, it doesn't matter. No, that's I, I totally agree. Music is something that can always, or unless sometimes it won't, but n- like yeah. nine times out of ten will lift your mood. So thank you for that. And would you like to know mine? Yes, I would love to know <laughs> yours. What? It, don't make it, you know, maybe not Emily in Paris. <laughs> anything more about that? <laughs> mine is actually very uh, off, uh, off away, oh, off, uh, off track away from tv and things recommendations my recommendation this week is actually to do with studying anyone Mm -hmm. that is at school or at uni so i am in my last week ever of studying and i'm kind of feeling sad because i feel like i can't give study tips anymore so i wanted to give (laughs) i think you can forever give study (laughs) tips you have been studying for 10 years of your life that you know Uh, that means for the next 10 years you can still give tips i haven't been studying for 10 years I've been studying since I was in primary school. Okay. I mean, in, in law, in uni, by yourself, not in a classroom, <laughs> yes. you have been studying for 10 years. So you are officially allowed to continue to give study tips, Laura. Well, thank you. As a graduated <laughs> student. Please, please know that. Please know that. <laughs> I'm in a bit of an identity crisis. Anyway, so um, I, my, what I wanted can to... Can I, wait, I, wait, wait. When you said identity crisis, can I actually tell you, the other day when you said to me that you know, you got the notification that you could go into a master's and then you actually spent half an hour looking because you were like, I don't know what I would do without study. I literally laughed to myself because I was like, I imagined you at like, I don't know, the cinema or somewhere where they're like, are you a student? And then when you get asked that question in future, I feel like I'm you're so actually going to cry yeah. because you can't see me. <laughs> what am I going to put on my airport form? What am I going to, what am I going to tell people that I meet that Business ask what owner. I do? <laughs> I am, I'm having, I am actually, it's actually not funny. I'm having a serious identity crisis about not being a student anymore, but I don't, we need a whole podcast to go into that. And this is not about me. So okay. uh, what I'm going to recommend as my social share is time, the last time I can ever, no, joking, joking, is time blocking. So anyone, I think a lot of us have been struggling anyone studying at this time because I think we should have we we feel like we should be more productive or we should be doing better in our grades or we should be getting more done because we have more time like you know if you work and you study you don't have to drive to work there's nothing to do at night or in the weekend so you have more time and I actually spoke to quite a few people um, through my DMs this week about it and a lot of people were saying that they actually enrolled in extra subjects this semester because they thought that they'd have more time and then it's never been harder and they've had to pull out of them or they're just getting through and they've got no motivation. So if you are feeling that way, it's totally normal. And what I've been trying to do, because if, if you do have a full day to study, it's so easy to kind of to feel demotivated because you've mm. got no planning. And what I find is time blocking my time helps me so much. So depending on what kind of study you are, your blocks might be half an hour, 45 an hour or I'm trying to do an hour and a half blocks at the moment and I'll do an hour and a half and then I'll have about a 15 to 20 minute break you know get a cup of tea something to eat go on Instagram or whatever I want to do and I plan each block with because I'm studying for one subject I'll with the I suppose the um, week that we learnt a concept Mm. and that way it's really helping me stay more productive so that is my special share this week. 
That is a great special share. Thank you. Anyway, enough about that. Now for this very awesome podcast that we are so excited for you all to listen to. So today we have got the very special Eleanor Pendleton on the podcast with us. So Eleanor is the founder of Gritty Pretty, which is a beauty empire. And what we love about Gritty Pretty is, and what Eleanor's work is, she's really changing the way beauty is is kind of, I suppose, defined. We love the way that she speaks about it. You know, it comes from within. And we really enjoyed this chat with her. We touch on her career growth from working at Cosmo to starting her own company. We also touch on her new journey with motherhood. And Eleanor is just such a, how would you explain it, Seth? Like she's such a beautiful person. You can feel how much she cares about others through the recording, I feel. And yeah, we really love this one. Yeah, you can definitely tell she's got a lot of empathy for others and she just is such a, I don't know, light spirit. It's like you just feel good and positive when you're, when you're talking to her. And I, I thoroughly enjoy watching her stories every day for the same reason. And even when she does get to share, you know, her son who is so adorable. Um, but what I also loved about this chat is she, she spoke about, you know, with running the business, you know, working with her team and how much she enjoys working with her team and everything like that. And I just... I resonated with it all a lot and I loved loved the chat and I think you guys are going to love it as well. Hello Eleanor and welcome to the Kick Pod. Thank you for having me girls. We are very excited to chat to you. You are a bit of a ray of sunshine on our account particularly I think in this time it's really nice getting to see you in, in another state and all the oh. amazing things you're up to it's it's nice and positive to watch while we're down here in Melbourne <laughs> oh I wish I could get down there as soon as those borders open up then the family and I are going to come down and we'll visit so I can see you both in person <laughs> how are you going at the moment it's been a big year Oh, it's been massive, hasn't it? But it's been massive for everyone. I don't think that this year um, has been easy for anybody. But I think throwing, you know, becoming a mum for the first Mm -hmm. time in the midst of COVID uh, certainly adds another layer to things. But I, I, you know, I do try, whilst it's been hard, I do try to focus on positives. So I guess the silver lining is that, you know, as a mother, it's made me, um, I think, incredibly resilient. And also having all this time at home means that my beautiful baby boy Banjo has had both his mum and dad home um, every day. So, you know, it's, a, it's also kind of been a nice time um, because we are lucky and we are privileged to be safe in our homes. So... I'm just focusing on that. Oh, it's so nice to focus on the positives. And before we get into your beautiful life with your beautiful banjo now and, and all of your career, that you everything you've done in your career is just so incredible and we're so inspired by you. We'd love to touch on your childhood and you've spoken so beautifully about how inspired you were by how hard your parents worked to kind of give you the life that you had growing up. What are your memories like the, on that when you reflect back now? Um, I mean, I grew up on the New South Wales Central Coast, so it's halfway between Sydney and Newcastle. And I very much came from a working class family. Uh, My dad was always a full time working dad. He ran small business from the age of 16. And I had a mother who was incredibly selfless and was a stay at home mother and, um, you know, focused on my sister and I growing up and I think when you are 
you know, the child of someone who works in small business, you are privy to a lot of things that perhaps you might not be if your parents were, for example, say an employee. Um, And I think what that did is it, looking back now, it sort of opened my eyes up to the realities of life and and how hard it can be to you know um provide for a a young family and you know my earliest memories were just of my parents working so so hard to give us a good education um you know be able to still spend time with us uh we grew up in a really coastal sort of area it was very much like a um a surf kind of community um very suburban and I just remember you know my parents taking us to the beach every weekend and I just have these really fond memories of playing with my sister um after school and you know it isn't now until I guess now that I'm a parent that I look back and I realize just how hard they worked to be able to give me those opportunities and you know, I, I certainly didn't come from a wealthy family or anything like that. So to make ends meet, you know, there were definitely times where it was challenging. Um, but again, I think it's it's instilled a work ethic in me that I don't know if I would have had, um, you know, if I didn't see how hard my both of my parents worked. I can um, relate to that so much. My dad actually um, had a news agency as well, which which I know which was your dad's family business. And I went... Yeah, and on you saying, though, that you were kind of a part of conversations and I suppose hearing things, it brings back so many memories to me. And, and I do think it's it's crazy as a young person to kind of be privy to these financial conversations. And obviously, as you said, in, in small business, there are hardships and things that you definitely wouldn't have heard kind of if, if you, as you said, if your parents were employed by another place or something, because they just don't have the, I mean, there's always financial stress, but it's just not the same. And um, I, I totally agree at the time it, it was hard, but I think looking back on it, it's such a, an, for me personally, was such an important lesson with like the value of money and how hard it is. And, mm. and I suppose the risk, taking financial risks, like what can actually happen and, and all of those things. And it's, it's, I suppose in hindsight, it's amazing to learn it at such a young age. I think so too. I mean, some of my earliest memories were I would get the bus from school, I would catch it to my dad's shop, to his news agency. And I, I mean, I, even just the smell now, if I can walk into a news agency, I just love that smell of printed <laughs> paper. Um, but I remember going back, you know, to the back of the shop and my dad would be doing the books. And back then, like, they didn't even use... Um, software you know like they wrote invoices and all expenses by hand in those invoice books and I just remember being privy to that they would never have conversations with me about it but I think just being able to observe it as you know a seven eight year old um I guess what it's made me realize now as a woman is how important financial independence and financial freedom is and I think that's something that particularly women need to talk more openly about Um, I think sometimes talking about finances can make people feel really uncomfortable, but it's really important that we do have these open discussions and these dialogues because what finance can afford us is ultimately freedom and independence. Yeah, totally. And and we've spoken about it before in the podcast, how sometimes those kind of stresses that come with finance, if you keep pushing them away, they just niggle away and and until you actually focus on them and and try to understand things, um, it can affect you in so many different ways through other parts of your life without even realizing that it's, you know, the financial stress that's bothering you. 
Yeah, I mean, it can it can create so much anxiety for a lot of people. And, um, you know, I think finance in itself, it can be really intimidating. Um, but I think if we can work out ways and systems to help us manage our own personal finances, our business finances, it can really set us up for a really incredible future. Um, mm. And one, hopefully, that you can then pass on to your children. Absolutely. And before we dive into your incredible career, just still on the topic of you growing up, as you mentioned, you grew up in um, the coast in Sydney, which at the time, I suppose, didn't really show how diverse we are as a country. And um, I, I would love to know how that was for you growing up with your culture and your background. Yeah. So as I mentioned, Central Coast is a really suburban surf community. Everyone there surfed. Everyone was blonde haired blue-eyed and my mum is Filipino she immigrated to Australia when she was 29 and I was really the only my sister and I were really the only children of mixed heritage at my uh, primary school and she was kind of my mum was the only Asian woman that people knew and I think um, when you grow up in that sort of background particularly with immigrant parents you know, it's a, it's a different childhood that you experience. And I certainly experienced bullying from other young kids. And um, I, I just remember thinking, I remember wondering, like, I don't, what's different about me? Cause, because mm. I didn't see or see anything different that would stare me back in the mirror. I was just like, yeah, I'm, you know, a bit olive and um, I've got, you know, these Asian beaches and I grew up in a home where this beautiful Filipino food is cooked, but I didn't understand what made me different. And I, you know, I use inverted commas because in my opinion, it's nothing different. Yeah. Um, so it was a really interesting childhood. I guess we certainly experienced... Um, you know, levels of racism, whether that was conscious or subconscious racism. Um, but I guess for me, because I, you know, was of mixed heritage, I was, I'm really proud of my heritage. Um, as a little girl, I think when I was going through these experiences and, and getting bullied at school, um, you know, I definitely had kind of times where I was like, well, you know, why am I different? Do I want to be like everyone else and now I, I look back and I'm so so proud of that heritage I'm you know being Filipino and um, it's, it's a huge part of my identity um, it's something I want to teach my son about because he's obviously also of that background but it was a really trying time um, because my dad is Australian um, and he's of English and Irish descent you know, we would often go to the local shops, um, him, my sister and I, and, I, and people would look because we look different to my dad. My sister and I have more of my mum's features. And I guess it's little experiences like that that have probably shaped us um, into the people we are today. But like I said, I'm, I'm so proud of my heritage. Um, you know, I think my mum is amazing what she's been able to achieve in her life. And she comes from a very, very poor village in the Philippines. Um, and to see the sacrifices that she's made, I'm, you know, I'm just so proud um, to be her daughter and, and to see what she's, the future she's been able to give us, I guess. 
I think it, it's absolutely amazing you're able to look back and be proud of uh, of who you are, which of course you should be. And I think it's such an important message for anyone listening right now that might be struggling with that sort of thing at school or at uni or whatever it might be in their life, that it is our culture is something that we should be proud of. And it, it doesn't matter if it's different to people around you. It, it's it, it's unique and, and that's what makes it so special. So it's so nice you're able to um, to speak about it in that way. And the way you speak about your mum and, and how hard she worked is also so beautiful and I think she must be so incredibly proud of you because you have created and and founded a beauty empire. We would love to know the journey from your first internship at Cosmopolitan with Zoe Foster Blake to where you are now. Yeah, well, I mean, I never thought I was going to be a beauty writer. To be honest with you, I, I didn't even know that was a job. Like, I didn't know that existed. Um, I knew I always wanted to work in magazines from such a young age. And I think maybe because my dad did have a news agency as a business, I just used to be in love with these magazines. When I would, you know, go to his shop after school, I would read um, Total Girl and Dolly and Girlfriend um, mm-hmm. and... I was more obsessed with the people who put those pages together. I remember one of the things I used to love so much was one, reading the editor's letter and two, reading the masthead and looking at everyone's names and what their job was. I was just so fascinated by that um, and by the creative individuals who put that title together. So I just knew from such a young age, maybe about from the ages of nine or 10, that I was going to work in magazines. And I just had decided, I'd made up my mind. There was nothing else I was going to do. I, I didn't know anybody who worked in magazines. I didn't have any family contacts or anything. I just was a very, um, very tenacious <laughs> young girl. And I just was like, yep that's what I'm going to do. I'm really good at English. I'm really good at writing. And that's what I'm going to do with my life. So I pretty much just set on a path of, of how do I do that? How do I break into this industry? And for me, it was obviously a no brainer. I had to do work experience. If you want to get a job anywhere, you need to form relationships with people. So I basically just emailed, um, all these different receptionists and editorial coordinators at all of my favorite magazines like Shop Till You Drop, like Cosmo, Girlfriend. Um, Majority of them never wrote back and I would send follow-up emails um, and I wouldn't get responses to the follow-up emails. And then one day when I was, um, I must've been 18 years old, um, I think I was just finishing year 12 and I got a call from the editorial coordinator at Cosmopolitan magazine. And I still remember that phone call today. Her name was Lucy. And she called me to say she just had a cancellation for a work experience placement. And it was meant to be kind of just after the the new year, after the Christmas new year break. And she wanted to know if I could come in for a week to help out. And I was beside myself. <laughs> like I just couldn't, it was like all my dreams had come true and I couldn't believe that I'd been given this opportunity to go in and, and see how Cosmopolitan magazine was made. I think, you know, every girl can relate to the, the film The Devil Was Prada. Um, <laughs> and I was just obsessed with this idea of, you know, getting on the train and, and travelling an hour and a half into the big city 
and and walking into this incredible building um and i did that whilst also i had enrolled to study in a diploma of journalism and um i i was just i still remember that week like i've never been so excited to get everybody a coffee i took pride in my photocopying skills i was very good at cutting newspaper clippings out of the the daily newspaper um and I really just savoured the whole experience. For me, it was such a privilege to go in and see these, you know, these incredible, stylish and fashionable and intelligent women doing what they do so well. So much so that I think I realised how important it was to make an impression. You know, there are so many work experience students who would come through those doors often there would even be maybe four or five uh, workies, as they're called, um, in one single week. And I knew it was important to, I guess, to impress them and hopefully secure an internship. So I arrived early every day. I stayed back every day. I would go collect the mail without being asked. And on the last day, so on the Friday, the editor at the time, Sarah Wilson, called me into her office and I was like, so terrified. Um, <laughs> she called me into her office and she said, I would love to offer you an internship and I'm going to put you into the beauty department with a lovely lady named Zoe Foster. Um, and that was pretty much where I guess it all started. I ended up spending, um, I think it was six months under Zoe's wing and really learning about this whole industry of beauty writing. I didn't know that was a job. I just you know, I always thought I'm just going to work in a magazine and be some sort of entertainment or features writer. I didn't even know that you could possibly be paid to test and play with beauty products all day long and travel the world, um, you know, let alone call that a career. So um, I was able to do that for six months and then I went on to do another six-month internship at Cosmopolitan's sister titles. So Zoe went across to Harper's Bazaar as beauty director and at that time I knew it was important to keep learning, to keep fostering those relationships. So I did another six month internship and then at the end of around 12 months, I had just graduated with my diploma in journalism and I had every intention to keep studying and to do a BA in media. But during you know the summer holidays, I got a call from the editor of Cosmopolitan Extension Magazines, and she offered me the job as the editorial coordinator and beauty writer. And then the rest is history. I um I ended up spending a few years working there and learning the ropes before I went across to Famous Magazine, uh, which was a weekly title as their beauty editor. I then worked at InStyle Magazine uh, as their beauty editor for about three or four years before I eventually decided to go freelance and then ended up launching Gritty Pretty. And it's such an incredible, I think, journey you're on. And I think it's so important uh, when you were mentioning about your time, um, uh, your passion and everything, even for the little things like your photos copying skills and like getting everyone a copy of uh, coffee and being excited I think it's really important because I think sometimes the younger generation can get really excited about their perfect dream job that they think that there's some quicker way of getting there and that they forget that sometimes those you know internships or smaller jobs that aren't necessarily the most exciting things ever that's where you can really prove yourself and where you can where you can kind of develop that passion and prove yourself to people so I think it's really cool 
that you spoke so excitedly about that time. And then it's obviously worked really well for you. I would love to talk about that really courageous jump from obviously having the job at InStyle and then, you know, going freelance and launching Gritty Pretty. How did you find that courage? What made you do that move? Um, I think my personality type is the type where I start to get itchy feet if I'm not being challenged or pushed or if I'm if I feel creatively stifled in any way um, and I'm not waking up every single day loving what I'm doing I think that starts to have a bit of an effect um, I had spent almost four years working at InStyle and I had started to reach that place in my role I was sort of coming in every day and I would write the same sort of stories for the same sort of pages month after month and I just wasn't really being creatively pushed anymore um so I probably spent six months deciding whether I should go freelance or not and I should say at the time I was 25 years of age so I was pretty young um Mm. you know and I think because I had spent so long thinking about it I I dealt with a lot of self-doubt and wondering, you know, if I leave this perfect job, which is perfect on paper, has job security, it's at one of the most incredible international magazines in the world, am I throwing that all away to go into this world of freelance where I don't know when my next paycheck is going to come in? You know, I, I'm at the time, you know, my boyfriend, who's now my husband, he said to me, look, even if you want to take a couple of weeks or months to just kind of find your feet I'm happy to support you but I was like no <laughs> like you can't pay for anything for me <laughs> I need to you know I need to do this for myself and I want to be financially independent so it took a long time I guess for me to just get that courage to believe in myself and to believe that I could I guess essentially create this successful career as a freelance writer and then eventually it was my husband who said to me I think maybe now you should probably start believing in yourself and it wasn't until he mentioned that to me that I thought okay I thought about this enough I need to just take a huge leap of faith and quit my perfect job um, to do something else and it was so terrifying um you know, I a lot of people kind of talk about when they make that leap, they feel a huge um, weight lift off their shoulders. And I didn't feel that. I was like, oh, my God, what have I done? <laughs> I just remember thinking, have I just thrown my entire career away? Um, but I also think I was never going to just sit there and um, hope that work was going to come my way. The very next day after I left my job, I, you know, got on the computer and, um, you know, emailed every contact I had, pitched every story idea I had. And, you know, within a couple of days, I had enough work booked up for the months ahead. Um, I should say, however, that that first day I was, I remember sitting in my sunroom and I didn't even have Wi-Fi internet I had to buy a secondhand laptop and I remember just thinking oh my god like what have I done (laughs) Um, so there was like a mild breakdown moment and then I managed to buy a secondhand laptop got got the internet connected and then yeah it was pretty much all systems go from there 
And it was probably about four months into my freelance writing career that Gritty Pretty started to take off again. Um, it had sat dormant during my beauty editorship at InStyle. And I think because Instagram had launched by then, um, I saw a bit of my audience return to Gritty Pretty once I just started writing again for fun. And eventually some revenue started streaming through uh, the site, through our clients. And again, these uh, relationships I'd spent, you know, a good eight years nurturing. And then it was kind of at that point that I thought, okay, if, if I can make this work and I can get revenue come through Gritty Pretty, then I could turn this into a business. I could turn it into one of the most popular beauty destinations where women can come and be educated and be inspired and learn about all things skincare and fragrance and makeup and body care. And then that's kind of when I thought, all right, I'm going to start funneling all the money that I earn as a freelance writer into Gritty Pretty. And I'm going to invest it all back, get the site looking tip top shape because it looked a bit dated at the time um and start doing this and then yeah it's kind of all taken off from there and that was five six years ago now and you definitely have turned it into one of the most popular beauty destinations in australia what are you the most proud of of your work at gritty pretty oh gosh um there's (laughs) there's a lot of things i'm most proud of my team um I think when you have a business that grows to expand to, you know, cater to employees, it's never lost on me that these people work so hard to make my dream a reality. Um, So I think I'm really proud of the fact that, you know, Gritty Pretty has never swayed or deterred from its brand values um, and the team do an incredible job of ensuring that. And then I guess just what we've been able to produce and and the connections we've been able to forge with our community, I think it's possible for women to be, you know, passionate about so many things in life. Our our community of readers are such amazing women. They are so intelligent, so beautiful. And, you know, some of them are lawyers, are teachers, um, you know, are medical students, but they also can be passionate about um, social justice and the environment. And they also really care about their skin and what they're putting onto their skin or how they style their hair that day because it makes them feel um, confident and it makes them feel feminine, for example. So I think being able to learn from the women who come to Pretty Pretty and read the site, that's probably thing I'm most proud of yeah I mean there's there's so many things um that it's hard to put it into words but I think just being able to do what you love every day um and work that fulfills you is a pretty amazing thing so that's never lost on me Oh, for sure. I think uh, both Laura and I can totally relate to to those two things that you just said, particularly. Um, I think it's so incredible how much you value your team because really it's 
so important as you said that you know it's the whole team that that keeps it running and that can make your dream into a reality and it's a really beautiful thing when they have that same kind of passion and um, the same kind of values that you want for the business and also how connected you guys are with your community that is really the best way to I suppose keep a business running is by hearing your community and making sure they feel heard and everything like that I mean we've we've found the same so it's really beautiful that they're two things that you're most proud of with your team obviously COVID's thrown a bit of a spanner in the works like how is how has it affected your work or your team's kind of working style in this time um I mean the way I had set up our office culture was so that it was always incredibly flexible um I had worked in enough workplaces where I saw good practices and not so good practices. And I've always been really conscious to create an environment where everyone in my team feels supported. If they want to work early and finish early, they can. If they want to come into the office that day, they can. If they prefer to work from home, they can. Um, So our style of working didn't really change that much once COVID hit and we went into lockdown. We We did start working more from home, but if anything, everyone's productivity increased. And what I found is that I had to, you know, really look after their well-being and make sure I was setting reminders, make sure you get outside today, Mm. Um, make sure you get out for a walk, make sure you take an hour to just go and ground yourself, um, get to the beach, whatever it might be. Um, And I found that was probably what I had to really keep a close eye on because I didn't want anyone to experience burnout. You know, obviously mentally it's affected, COVID's affected so many people. um, And I think my team's mental well-being had such a knock-on effect onto the, the work that they produce. We've been working from home since the... March. March haven't gone back because mm. there, there was kind of a few weeks where we could have but it was still advised not to so we've kind of made everyone's just been working from home and it's it's been amazing how we because we were in the office every single day and it's been, been amazing to mm. see how everyone can work amazingly from home and just hearing you speak about your team you are such an amazing leader and we would love to know um I suppose what your journey has been like becoming a leader because you are both strong and soft which is actually so hard to practice how have you been able to navigate that um gosh I don't know (laughs) hashtag wing it um yeah I don't know I I I think naturally I'm a very empathetic person I'm like that with just in life with my family with my friends and I think you know why would work and my team be any different I think it can be quite hard being uh, a business owner and a leader and and one thing that I think some people don't talk about enough is how lonely it can also be um which is you know a wonderful thing about you know what you girls have is that you have each other so you know you're able to kind of deal with those sort of challenges and battles that come with being a business owner and you can confide in each other I haven't done like any training or anything like that I haven't done any courses I mean I try to um if anything just empower myself with experiences that are shared you know and I think that's the amazing thing about being a female business owner and entrepreneur is that when I left the corporate world and I you know became a a business owner and I decided to start running Gritty Pretty full-time all of a sudden I was put into this community of women like yourselves who 
are so supportive and are happy to share, you know, mistakes that have been made or things that worked or, you know, things that didn't. And I've probably learned more from other women like yourselves than anything else, to be honest. You know, I'm not saying that I've, I've got it perfect or got my practices down pat, but I think the best thing um, that I have learnt, and again, this is also coming back to the experience I had in the corporate publishing world, is that the culture you create, it starts at the top. And it's really important that communication is number one and that you are listening to your team. The other thing that I have learnt um, the hard way is to listen to your gut. And generally speaking, if there, you know, it's something that you are being faced with and your intuition is telling you one thing, even if you are trying to ignore it, it is generally right. Um, so I'm leaning more into that these days. And I also think just becoming a mum as well this year, it sort of, um, it really shifts a lot of things. Um, you know, people talk about that a lot and I never really understood what they meant by that. But um, you, you just care less about the fluff of things. And it, I guess you care less so about pleasing people and more so about what is doing right for the greater good or for your team or for your community. So... Yeah, I'm still figuring it all out. <laughs> and I'm so glad you mentioned, you know, being a mum because we would love to talk about, um, I suppose, that new journey with Banjo. And um, you actually did a post and you wrote, and just like that, suddenly everything in the universe made sense. So yeah. is that kind of what you were speaking to just then? What was it like? Um, I guess that in particular was more so to do with the journey I had been on to becoming a mum. Um, the journey was not what I ever expected it to be, to be honest. Um, my husband and I had decided probably six months after we got married that we were going to start trying for a family. And sadly, uh, we fell pregnant, but experienced a miscarriage. And I just never thought that was going to be part of my story. I, you know, I'm such a my husband and I are both really healthy and I felt really grateful to have fallen pregnant. I felt pregnant. So to have experienced pregnancy loss, it just hit me for six. Um, and anyone who has experienced pregnancy loss um, knows that what follows in the months after is a stage of grief. Mm. And I definitely went through all of the emotions. I went through, you know, the deep deep sadness uh immediately afterwards followed by the denial followed by the anger as well and then I was so lucky to fall pregnant um a few months later with my son Banjo and when I say that everything in the universe suddenly made sense it was because it did without that beautiful life that we had lost earlier on I wouldn't have had my son and he's just I mean he's just pure sunshine he's so <laughs> so delicious I want to eat him every day um <laughs> he's just too much but I think it was such such a long journey to get to that moment when he was just placed on my chest and you know he's just oh 
He's just the love of my life. I love him. He is like possibly one of the loves of my life on social media as well because <laughs> I honestly like love watching your stories every day. He is adorable. He sounds Aww. like such a sweetheart. Love eyes emojis, love eyes emojis from Steph. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I literally, I think I do that daily to you. Oh my gosh. <laughs> no, I get it. <laughs> Keep them coming. And how has your life changed since you have become a mother? Oh, that's a loaded question. Um, <laughs> God, it is uh, it is the best and the hardest thing I have ever done in my life. I remember my best friend who has two beautiful, beautiful children said that to me one day after her, her first was born. And I never really understood what that meant and I don't think you can unless you have had a child um there are no words that you can put into into anyone's mouth that can describe how amazing it is the love that you feel for that little being is unlike anything I've ever experienced it's like a intense fierce kind of love like it's it's almost scary how much you love that little baby but it's also so incredibly hard there are so many shifts that take place after you become a mum and I think the biggest one is identity you know you you have um, this idea of or you may arrive at this place um, where you know where you are as a woman and then you have a baby and for me it was like a rebirth it was like I, I was reborn and I definitely feel since having him that I am so much stronger and so much more resilient because of this beautiful little being that I grew in birth. I think that's so beautiful and something you often hear from, from mothers and I just think it's, it, it is really beautiful. Now, a lot of business owners call their business a baby. Mm-hmm. So I know a few years back in the offline podcast, you mentioned, you know, with your other baby, how you were going to kind of balance or navigate your two babies, one being gritty, pretty and the, the physical baby. My baby girl. How, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like, I would love to know how has, has your idea changed or have you actually been able to navigate it the way you thought you would um, to, I suppose, find that balance between? No. <laughs> no. Um, you know, look, I think everyone's experiences are their own. Um, mm. You know, unfortunately, uh, my family don't live within the same state. So for us, we don't have a huge amount of family support or, you know, have grandparents to call on. So I think that creates a certain um, challenge, um, Mm. you know, especially in the early months when you're navigating that time. And then you throw it in a pandemic um, (laughs) and the borders close. So you can't even see your family if you want to. Um, That certainly made it a lot more challenging. Um, uh, I guess for me, it's, it's, it's been a tricky one because my son was only six or seven weeks old when COVID really hit and I had hoped to have taken four months maternity leave um, off. Everyone who is a business owner knows there's no such thing as maternity <laughs> leave, um, but it was the next best thing for me. It was kind of, I was hoping for four months of 
next to no contact um, with my team so that I could be present with my my baby. But obviously with COVID, I was suddenly just thrusted straight back into things. And obviously, um, you know, for a lot of business owners, it was about survival mode, particularly in those early weeks. How do we adapt? How do we um, simply just make it through this time? So that was a bit of a rude shock. But, you know, my baby was also quite young at the time. He sort of slept a lot. Um, so he would sleep and I would, you know, smash out work on the computer and I would just do what I, I humanly could. And that's just probably been my approach since then is all I can do is what I can do in the time that I have, um, and just lean on the support of others. Um, I think the biggest thing is not being afraid to ask for help. Um, I had so many challenges when my son was born with breastfeeding and I not for a second worried about being too scared to ask for help. You know, I went to my local community clinic. I, um, you know, saw a lactation consultant. I spoke to midwives and anyone that I could ask for help, I would. So I think it's just really important to sort of lean on the tribe that you have around you and if you don't have a really strong support network then create one that's all yeah that's all I've sort of done I love that advice that's that's such great advice and you've kind of just answered our next question as well which was just to do with and something that I feel a lot is um navigating guilt when you're not working and then you should be working and, yeah. and it's and I, I can't even imagine what that is like when there's a baby you know thrown into the mix there and there's something else that you feel like you should be doing but I think what you said about kind of doing what you can I think that is so, so powerful yeah I mean the mum guilt thing that's yeah again something I never really understood and now I've definitely experienced it it's a tricky one because we place such great expectations on ourselves um but I think particularly for business owners or people who you know even if you don't own a business you just love what you do you love your career it can be quite difficult to navigate those um that time when you decide to return to work or if you you know you have to return to work that's another thing I think that's important to remember is that for a lot of people financially they have to return to work a lot Mm. sooner than they would like um and I think the other the other important thing to mention is it should never ever be any judgment around any parent's decision there (laughs) yeah I don't know (laughs) it's sort of hard I go through days where I will feel so much intense guilt if work is really busy and all I want to do is to sit there and play you know with toys with my son equally the same time I'll have another day where I've just had an amazing day at work or I've been on set with these incredible people that I work with who are so creative and I go home and I feel so fulfilled. My cup feels so full and I know that I'm going home to be the best mother I I can be because I'm doing something that I love. Um, so yeah, it's such a roller coaster. You just kind of have good days, bad days. And I think what I'm trying to learn is just to lean into whatever is happening that day. But it's, it's certainly, I hate the word juggle, but it is, um, I'm learning to, I guess, to live with things being in harmony. Mm. That's nice. That's a nice way of putting it. Yeah. Um, 
And before we finish up, we'd love to touch on social media because, you know, it's a it's a big part of um, your business and you have such a beautiful presence on social media and, you know, you're so thoughtful and considerate and, and that's quite a rarity in the beauty oh, industry on social media. So I, I wonder how, how you feel about it, um, the, maybe from a beauty point of view of social media. Um, I mean, when it comes to my personal platform you know I I think it's anyone you girls know me so anyone who knows me um knows that I'm a pretty open honest book it's just how I am um and I think the same applies to social media I'm the same way I try to be thoughtful about things um I try to be considerate of all others I I try to extend that to my platform it can be difficult you know I sort of go through waves sometimes I'm like I just don't want to go on there I don't want to go on Instagram and it's funny because and I'm sure both of you have have experienced this you can have a huge following you can have um, you know thousands or millions of people follow (laughs) you and all it can take some days is like one person to say something nasty and it just ruins your mood and it gets you Mm. really really down and I think that's just a human response um you know I think when you have any sort of a profile you naturally develop thick skin and you know you sort of learn to brush things off and you also learn that sometimes these comments that can be made from people it's more of a reflection on them and perhaps what Mm. they're going through but that doesn't mean that you're not allowed to get upset as well. Like I've definitely had moments where I'm like, why did you have to say that? <laughs> you know, like if you don't, I, I, the way I was always raised was if you don't have anything nice to say, then don't say anything at all. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's, I've, I've have struggled if I've ever received a, you know, a negative comment from somebody, I struggle with it because I would never do the same. You know, we all see things on social media. Perhaps we don't agree with them or, you know, you, you might have a thought and you're like, oh, I don't really agree with that. But never in a million years would I take the energy mm-hmm. to sit on my phone and write somebody <laughs> a negative <laughs> message and call them up on something because I just don't care. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, that's I, I struggle with that a bit if... Um, it happens. It very rarely happens, to be honest with you. Um, it's quite rare that I would ever get any form of negativity or, you know, sorts of trolling. But I just try to be my most honest, um, authentic self because I just think that's all you can do in life. And I think you do that so well. You, I mean, there's a lot of people on social media that don't kind of realise the responsibility that comes with a big following, but you can feel that in everything that you do, that you're so conscious of others. And, and it's so nice, especially in the beauty space, to see that. And, and I love Aww. as well how you, how you speak about ageing and things. I mean, so often in the beauty industry, we're kind of told that we need all these anti-wrinkle creams and, like, you know, there's things you can go and get done to fix it but but I love how you speak about kind of how aging is a beautiful thing and and you love smile lines and and all of those things it's it's really really nice to see oh thank you and I think likewise I think what you girls do and the community you've fostered is so so special um and you know if you can I think if you can just touch one other woman's life and make her feel good about herself that day then you know you can 
gladly go to sleep happy um and you girls just do such an amazing job of that um you know i just love love following along with everything you guys are doing i was so invested in 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 the wedding um you know (laughs) i just love that and that's probably one of the other beautiful things about social media as well you know a lot of a lot of people talk about say the negativity that can come with it but the relationships that you can create and you know the friendships that have been formed through this platform I think it's never to be underestimated and I for one am so grateful to social media in that respect because I get to see you know what amazing things you women like you guys are doing um and I just I love that I love seeing other people kick goals it's so cool well, thank you. That That is so sweet. You really didn't have to say that. And um, we, we appreciate it so much. And to finish off, we would love to know if there was anything you could tell your younger self, what would it be? I would tell my younger self to block out all of the noise and not to worry about anything else or anyone else, to stay in my lane, work really hard and just be nice to people. Oh, I feel like you must have somehow gone back in time and told yourself that because that I feel like that sums you up as a person. <laughs> Thank you so much for everything you said earlier and and for have like for coming on. I was going to say for having us, having us in, in your in your day. You're welcome. Um, Thanks for coming on the podcast. <laughs> it's been so nice to chat and and get to know you a little bit more. I'll continue to send those those love heart emojis. <laughs> Please do, and hopefully you'll be able to meet my little banjo in real life one day soon (laughs) absolutely thank you so much thanks for having me thank you so much for listening yes we hope you guys enjoyed that chat as much as we did we'll make sure we've got eleanor's details in our show notes so you can find out more and um go and give her a follow and again i can't tell you how much i enjoy and how much i get out of watching her beautiful stories every single day um for us you can find us on instagram at keeper cleaner at laura.henshaw or at steph claire smith we are back here for a podcast every wednesday and we've got a very exciting one coming up next week which we think you guys are all going to love and then if you'd like to find out more about keeper cleaner you can head to our website www.keepercleaner.com.au we love you guys thanks for listening hope you enjoyed it bye